Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 923 of the Juicebox podcast. Isha is a type one who came on the show to talk about a ton of different things, actually. We talk about gastroparesis, pregnancy, type 1 diabetes, having a high stress and busy job with type 1, the impact type 1 has on relationships, and creating emotional agility. While you're listening today, please remember that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. Hey, if you'd like to save 35% off your entire order at CozyEarth.com, use the offer code JUICEBOX at checkout. Cozy Earth makes luxurious, comfortable, and just really soft clothing, bedding, and bath supplies. CozyEarth.com, offer code JUICEBOX at checkout. Save 10% off your first month of therapy at my link, BetterHelp.com forward slash JUICEBOX. And you will, in fact, get a free year's supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first order of AG1 from Athletic Greens when you use this link, athleticgreens.com forward slash juicebox. This episode of the Juicebox podcast is sponsored by the company that makes, just in my opinion, the best blood glucose meters. Today, we're going to be talking about the Contour Next One, and you can learn more about it at contournext.com dot com forward slash juice box. I love me a contour meter. When you're ready. Alrighty. Am I am I ready now? <laughs> Is this now? We are officially started no matter what you say next, just so uh, you know. <laughs> okay. I was just checking. Um so I'm supposed to introduce myself. Um, hi, everyone. My name is Isha. I am based in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, fellow Canadian here. And I don't know. Are you in the private? I don't know what else to say. You don't have to know anything else. Are you in the private Facebook group? I am. Of course I am. Isabel is going to be It's funny. I actually joined the group before I knew about the podcast. Ooh. Ooh, we'll talk about that. Yeah, yeah, go. (laughs) It was interesting because I've been a type 1 diabetic since I was 4 and I'm 35 now. And I've never kind of seen proper advice in a group before, not to be judgmental of anyone or any groups. You know, usually someone being like, have cinnamon and, you know, run up and down and do this. And I think I was struggling with trying to figure out, I was pregnant. I think it was like right before I got pregnant and I was trying to figure out insulin rates and just like, you know, stages of pregnancy impacting like blood sugars and someone tagged the juice box group and they were like, this is a great resource. Like I go here for everything, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, okay. And I, at that point in time, like I hadn't listened to the podcast. I didn't even know there was a podcast. Um, To be honest, I thought it was maybe like a drink to treat low blood sugar. (laughs) I was like, what is this? Oh, um, oh, wait, you thought maybe I was like shilling like a glucose drink or something like that? I didn't know. I just thought join the juice box like Facebook group. And I was like, what is this? Well, that, um, that's horrible. But let me just you should say this right here. If there's any company that makes a glucose drink that they want to brand with my name, please let me know. <laughs> <laughs> right. You got to get all over that. So anyways, when I joined the group, I will say it is probably one of the best communities I've ever seen. Um, so much so like my brother was recently diagnosed with type one, he's 40. And, uh, I literally was just like, you have to listen to this. Like, it's the best. 
And, you know, he's a really busy. He's like, I don't have time to. I'm like, no, just be part of the group. And he's like, you sound like you're part of a cult. Like, (laughs) perfect. I'm winning. (laughs) That's all all I hear when I hear that that's the description you gave and how it felt to him was, yes, good. (laughs) Because it's hard to get people to do stuff like that. And if if you're not, you know what I mean? If you're not consistent and excited about it, how are they going to believe? All right, let me click on this, you know? I know, but it's interesting because I also find like it's very hard to change habits, but the group is really good at giving you a very holistic perspective of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the best examples that you've used and like that I've seen is like with diets or with like different types of lifestyles or different professions. It's, you know, it's nobody's a cookie cutter mold. Everyone kind of has their own thing. And the group really does a good job kind of catering to whether you're a parent, whether you're diabetic, whether you're a child, whether you're um, a sibling of someone who's type one, a grandparent, like I've really seen such a variety of folks in there and it's, it's, it's refreshing. It's nice. Yeah. No, I'm glad. I think it takes on, well, uh, if I'm wrong about this, I'm going to sound like a douchebag, but that's okay. I, I think it takes on my personality to some degree. It's good. I don't space. think that sounds douchey. I think yeah, that okay. sounds, it's a nice, it's a nice thing. Thank it's good you. to be adaptable, right? Yeah. I, I think it just, I think that enough people in the beginning, I mean, in the beginning, everybody in that group listened to the podcast. So it's that whole kind of like, it's serious and do a good job, but you know, don't kill yourself over it and don't make yourself feel terrible. And there's more than one way to accomplish this. And I don't care what you eat. Just let's make sure we know how to use the insulin. Like all of those kind of vibes. I think that's how it got built. I, I mean, I'm not taking credit for that. It just, it happened that way. Um, but now that it's so big, it hit 29,000 people yesterday. I saw that and I was like, oh my gosh, that's like, I'm excited for you. <laughs> I, I'm like, Jesus, this is getting so big. Uh, <laughs> there, control. It's so large now that um, there are times that I post things and nobody sees them. <laughs> And, oh. and I'm like, and I'm like, oh God, I'm not, I was not interesting because the algorithm did not push up my, my thing. You, know you can I, pin things though. I'm sure there's ways around that yeah, too though, right? I, I do. I, I don't, yeah, but it seems like I don't want to do that with everything I put up. But <laughs> anyway, it's, it's great because I kept, I got worried. Like the bigger it gets, things are going to get lost, but they don't get lost. Like if, if somebody comments and then it gets pushed up and more people can see it and it still works. I mean, people complain about Facebook all the time, but it's a, uh, it's, it's, I think it really depends on what you use Facebook for. Yeah. Um, I know obviously with like teenagers and whatnot, it's probably other social media platforms, but I mean, it makes me sound so old and I hate that I had to say that, but I think it works really well. Like I know if I ever have a diabetes related question or issue or concern, like I can search that group or I can go and ask, um, and I'll get a fast response. Um, you know, it's not like I have to kind of book an appointment with my endo and, you know, schedule a call. I, I literally can get that in five minutes and it's, it's nice. Right. You know, speaking of feeling old, Arden's been at school for like three weeks now. And of course this um, hurricane is coming right at her. And right. so she's staying with one of her roommates and they had to go shopping and the roommate didn't have money. And Arden's like, Hey, can you send her some money? She's buying me some stuff. I'm still in class. I'm like, sure. So I text her and I say, Hey, you know, Nazra, how, how do you want me to get you this money? And, she, and I said, I could PayPal it or Venmo it. And she goes, do you have Zelle? And I went, I'm 51. <laughs> do you want me to PayPal it or Venmo it? <laughs> and I said, and to be honest, if you had Apple Pay, that'd be better. <laughs> so, um, and she's like, okay, I could take it through PayPal. I was like, all right, look at you. You know, 
Isn't it funny how there's certain things that indicate when you've kind of reached that point where you're like, yeah, I'm an adult. Yeah, I'm not doing that. I'm not learning that. Like, I'm not going there. <laughs> I don't, I can't have 75 cash apps on my phone. I'm sorry. Like, I'm not doing that. No, no, I refused. And like, I have friends who have Snapchat and I'm like, nope, I'm not going there. I'm not, I'm not doing it. <laughs> That's a good idea, I think. Well, okay. So, all right. So I want to get, dig in a little further. First, I wanted to say, cause I'm going to completely forget that. Um, I started to say it in the beginning, but when Isabel from the private Facebook group hears that you're from Toronto, she's going to be thrilled. So she's such oh, a, yay. Hi, Isabel. she's such a proud Canadian. Um, but isn't it interesting? So you're from India and live in Canada. Isabel, no, no, no. I was, I was born like my parents were from India. Your, your so I was are. born and raised in Toronto. My parents are originally from North India. Got it. Got it. And Isabel's from France. So it's a, oh. is Toronto a little melting pot. I, it, you know, I, Toronto, I will say, and I'm sure you've probably heard is like incredibly diverse. Um, it's probably one of the few things, like there's many things I love about it, but like, that's one thing that I absolutely love. You have every background, every culture, um, every language. Um, it's, it's pretty good. A lot of good food. Yeah. That's excellent. Very cool. Okay. So tell me when you, you get into the Facebook group and then we'll get away from this and, you, <laughs> and it's just a Facebook group, but then you realize it's attached to something else. I, I'm interested about how you decide I'm going to, Oh, this is a podcast. Let me go f- listen to it. I'll be very transparent. So at first I was like, okay, I'll start at the very beginning. Cause I think for a lot of folks, that's just, you know, you, you start something you, you want to kind of, you feel like you want to do it right. You're like, I'm going to start right the very start and work my way down. Um, but it's not like, it's not like a step-by-step process that way. I remember I listened to the first episode and I was like, okay. Um, and I started listening and they were great. There were some episodes that definitely intrigued me more than the others. And then I think I saw someone online reference certain episodes that talked about like just common themes, I guess, with managing diabetes, like, you know, I don't know, like basal rates or, you know, insulin to carb or stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of recognized, oh my gosh, I can listen at any point in time and it'll still make sense. Right. Um and that was, I think, really eye-opening for me. And then from there, I was like, oh, okay, like this is kind of a community where you talk about things that will help you in terms of your management, but also in terms of just lifestyle and just, you know, like an interesting podcast that has benefits to me personally. So this is fantastic. Right. Yeah. I, I At the time, when I started the podcast in 2015, I think, oh my God, in January, Jeez, that was a long time ago. Um, when I started it, I I didn't quite know what I was doing, which you could expect. And in my my mind's eye, I thought I was going to take my most popular blog posts and read them. I know that sounds silly now. And uh, I sat down and did it once, and I got a few minutes into it, and I stopped the recording, and I thought to myself, like, I wouldn't even listen to this. Like, so, <laughs> so why would anyone else? And... I started kind of reformulating what I was going to do and I decided I would just hit on some of the big topics, but I didn't have guests. So I was like, well, I'll just talk to myself, you know, I'll, I'll do that. And as I'm getting that all together, this kid with type one diabetes is on American Idol. And I I just sort of like oddly was like messaged him and I was like, Hey, I have a diabetes podcast. Do you want to come on it? And he said, yeah. And so at the time I was super excited because I felt like I had an interview that was like something of interest in, you know, pop culture and that it might help me get the whole thing started. But now I look back in hindsight and I think that's a weird first episode for people to hear. I will say 
given everything I saw in the Facebook group in terms of discussions, questions, topics, and then hearing the first episode, I think it threw me off a little bit because I was like, I don't quite get it just yet. Yeah. Um, but I think, in, and now there's obviously so much in that group where people tell you, like, if you want like the pro tip series, if you want this, like if you're a beginner, like it, it, that's very, very helpful. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot in there to listen to. So it's good. Well, I also don't want to like totally crap on the fact that I had that guy. God, I can't even think of his name. That's terrible. Um, that I'll figure that part out because <laughs> I did enjoy talking to him. And so I think that helped me understand, well, sometimes we can talk to people who have diabetes and sometimes we can talk about managing diabetes. And then I went into the management stuff. I think in the first 10 or so, people actually really love episode four and episode 11. Um, and they're like cornerstones of like how I manage diabetes. But then people started coming on and I started doing interviews and it gave me a chance to get better at it. But I agree with you that by the time I was like 200 episodes into the show, I thought there's a lot of information in this show. It's spread out and I should consolidate it some places because I'm noticing that some people are super interested in hearing about like stories and some people are super interested in hearing about management and I can't tell them, listen, if you listen to the first 150 episodes of this, I guarantee your A1C is going to go into the sixes, which I think is true, but you know, it seems unreasonable. So that's yeah. when, that's when we started putting the series together that were more management based and 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 they're great because they're quick yeah. listens. Like the thing I like about it is it's something you can listen to like in the car um, or just kind of doing other things, which is nice. I recognize it's really hard to listen to podcasts all the time when you're so busy, but I like that you have things broken down into bite sized information so that it's extremely focused. Yeah. So if you're looking for just kind of like the go tos or you're, you know you have more time and you want to just you know en- enjoy a listen and kind of get a bit of both you can yeah no i think it's terrific i actually i can't believe that it's so um well is doing two different things which it really is it's like it's talking about the management of diabetes and it's actually a podcast too and i mean by that i mean people come on and talk and there's no real focus and a lot of people enjoy that most of my downloads come from the fact that people want to listen to a podcast and they like that the like that you have diabetes um but the people who want the management stuff very fervently want the management stuff. It's, it's a it's a interesting mix. I don't even know why it works. I'm not asking a lot of questions. So <laughs> well, don't argue with it. Yeah, it's yeah, working yeah. really well. Exactly. <laughs> just keep going, right? Okay. Exactly. So you said you got type 1 when you were 4? Uh, yes. I was 4 and a half when I was diagnosed. Um, my I remember at the time, like my mom was like, something's off. Like my daughter's lost a lot of weight and you know, at that stage, you know, I think our pediatrician was like, oh, kids are fussy eaters. Like you just need to be a little bit more strict with like when she eats. And mom was like, I don't know, something's off. And like, you know, typical signs, like at that age, I was wetting the bed, which wasn't normal. Um, and then my mom literally was like, you need to go and do a blood test. Like, I, I'm not going to leave you alone until you do. And sure enough, they were like, mother's instinct is right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow. And then she takes you to the hospital and we're on our way. Yeah, yeah. it was a blur. Cause even when I was going through all the signs, like, I, you know, my parents are both from India and like, they're brilliant, very well-versed and like have exposure in a lot of things. But, you know, you think of it, you're like my kids losing weight. So like, you know, we had family members who were like, you should eat things with higher sugar content or like have more carbs. And um, which looking back at, obviously, like, I know this is not <laughs> what, you know, if you're not taking insulin and you're having all that, you're kind of killing yourself slowly, but um, you know, you don't know what you don't know until you kind of have 
some guidance from, I guess, a medical professional or, you know, a little bit more about what you're actually dealing with. Sure. Was there any, um, any reason to think there might be diabetes, people in the family or anything like that? No, no one in our family has it. Um, And I think that's why my parents are really shocked. They didn't, you know, like anyone, um, you don't know about much about type one until it impacts someone you love or someone close to you. So they were, it was very new. Um, And during that time, like now, you know, you listen to the podcast and you're talking about the sensors and the pump and like, you know, looping and all these things that just weren't existent at that point. And I remember like, I still have the meter. It was like massive and like took a minute to test your blood sugar and, you know, you're taking needles. And at that point in time, it was like twice a day. Mm, (laughs) So it wasn't like you were carb counting accordingly. It was like, you take your morning insulin and then your bedtime insulin and that's it. Um, and I remember like my mom and dad woke up multiple times a night to check my blood sugar and just check on me and like coming to my school to make sure that I was okay. And like, it, just now I look at parents and even people in that Facebook group and I'm almost in awe, just the amount of advancements there have been in diabetes. It's, it's really, really, really incredible. Yeah, no, it certainly is. Even, I mean, Arden hasn't had it nearly as long as you have, but it's wildly different from when she was diagnosed till now. Like, yeah, yeah, just wildly. But we, we, you know, I almost said we got in <laughs> like it was a investment opportunity and we were there just in time to get the boom. <laughs> but oh. I don't know why, I don't know why it occurred to me that way. But Arden was diagnosed just a few years before CGMs and started happening. So she wasn't too long without some of that stuff. It didn't work as well back then as it does now, but of course there's been probably so many advancements, but I, I mean, like even that is interesting because when I was diagnosed, I was four. So I had really good control. My dad was really diligent with like, you know, if I was like, Oh, I want ice cream. He's like, you got to run up and down the stairs 20 times before we have that ice cream <laughs> and I would do it and it would help. And like my A1C for the longest time was like six Wow. growing up when my parents were made, it was really good. And yeah. like, I remember, um, when the pumps came out, my endo was like, I think you'd be a really good candidate for this. And I was like, no, I don't want it. And I think I only got a pump a few years before having kids. Um, because I was just, I had this thing about like, no, I manage it. I don't need a pump to kind of like manage it. I already do a good job on my own. Um, so I find like those who've kind of come into diabetes where like those tools are there. It's such a great, great tool. Like I think a lot of people prior to you get stuck in your ways, you know, you're kind of like, this works for me and I don't need to change it. But mm-hmm. change can be a good thing. Was it was it really working? Like I am always interested by those statements. Like this works for me. Was it really working for you? Did you have low variability? Oh, so Did you? You know what I mean. First, so absolutely. So great, great question. And I think a lot of it is like you feel like you're doing, you're managing because there's certain benchmarks. You're like my A1C is good, or mm-hmm. like I, you know, I I know my insulin to carb ratio, and I don't need a pump, but you know, there were so many unknowns. Like I remember, you know, you take your insulin, you don't know if you're, which direction your blood sugar is going in. You know, if you're going up, you're going down, you're going across, like you don't know how much insulin's in your system. Um, I didn't understand the idea of stacking, like stacking insulin at one point. So I'd eat, I'd give myself like a shot. And then like a couple of minutes later, I'm like, oh yeah, I really wanted to eat that too. And then I do that. And then all of a sudden my blood sugar would be crashing and couldn't understand why. So, you know, overall, I think I had good control, but there were just things that I could have done so much better. Um, and now that I have a pump and I have a sensor, like I rave about it to everyone. Yeah. Um, I'm probably part of like the cult who's like, you've got to get this. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. Listen, I think that if people can afford technology and they want it, there's a lot of benefit. 
and it's just I'm not saying you can't manage well with MDI. You certainly can, but I mean, not having to, unless it just doesn't bother you. And there are some people I talk to that are just like, I don't care how many times I stick myself with this needle; it doesn't matter to me. So, uh, you know, fun, I mean? funny you say that. Like you were, you know, we we're talking about where my parents are from and all that stuff. Like, so my parents are originally from India. I remember when I was younger, we went there and we. I think our luggage got lost and we had a few needles with us, but the rest of my supplies were in my bags. We had like enough for a few days. Mm-hmm. Um, and my cousin went out and my parents were like, we need to get these needles. Cause like, we have to give Isha her insulin. And they got the, like, he didn't know. And it was, it, I remember like my cousin felt terrible, but the, um, the, the needle like units were different than what my parents were using. And I think I ended up taking like, it was just, so much more insulin than what I was normally taking and no one noticed. And I had a really bad, really, really, really bad reaction, like seizure. And we were all confused. And like, it took them a little while to recognize that the units were actually different. We were in a different country. Like it wasn't the same. Wow. So, you know, don't get me wrong. MDI is fantastic if you can do it, but there's, you know, we're all human. Like sometimes something gets missed. Sometimes like I just find with a pump that the insight you get from that, like, and especially to the point where you can factor things out. Like I can change my basal rate at 3am when I'm sleeping mm-hmm. um, rather than having to get up and do a shot. If I need to, I, I find that really, really, really incredible. Yeah. We actually did something last night that. All right, chat GPT. Let's see if you can write a podcast ad for the contour next gen blood glucose meter. Wow, it works quick. Ready? Managing your diabetes can be a challenge, but with the Contour Next Gen Blood Glucose Meter, you'll have the confidence and control you need to stay on top of your health. This state-of-the-art device offers exceptional accuracy, ensuring you get the most reliable results every time you test. That's actually true. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by the Contour Next Gen Blood Glucose Meter. ContourNext.com forward slash juicebox. It says I should put a sound effect in of the meter beeping, but I won't be doing that. Uh, let's see. The Contour Next Gen Blood Glucose Meter comes with a user-friendly app that helps you track your glucose levels. That's actually true. You don't have to use the app, but you absolutely can. It is pretty fantastic. Uh, the app lets you set reminders and keep an eye on your trends. It's like having your own personal diabetes coach right at your fingertips. Well, it's a lot like having an app, but I see what it's getting at. And for your valued... <laughs> Our valued podcast listeners. Listen, guys, I've got a website, contournext.com forward slash juice box. You can learn a lot about the meters there. They really are terrific. They're super accurate, easy to use, easy to hold. Absolutely fantastic. Favorite meters my daughter's ever used, hands down. So don't let diabetes hold you back. Take charge of your health and experience the freedom and peace of mind that comes with using the Contour Next Gen blood glucose meter. Hmm. I believe that, by the way. <laughs> it's a great meter. You need accurate tests. Uh, it, it's not mentioning the second chance test strips here, which, I mean, blows my mind because that's the best part of the meter, obviously. You can touch the blood, not get enough, go back, get more, not impact the accuracy or waste a test strip. Um, second chance test strips are fantastic, uh, which is not to say that the meter needs a lot of blood. It's just, you know, if you mess up, you can go back without without, you know, ruining the strip or the accuracy of the test. Seriously, fantastic meters. I love them. My daughter's been carrying them for years. 
They they're great long time sponsors of the podcast. Contournext.com forward slash juice box. When you click on the links, you're supporting the podcast. There's links in the show notes of the podcast player you're listening in right now. Links at juiceboxpodcast.com. And of course, you can just type in contournext.com forward slash juice box, and you will be helping the podcast. So Arden's, you know, she's three weeks into college. She's actually doing really well with her blood sugars and everything. And um, she comes home. They're going to do some dishes. And then she's like, I don't know. I was just going to make something in the room, like ramen or something like that. So she gave herself a big bolus. And she's doing dishes. And then some boy from downstairs calls and says, hey, guys, the taco place is still open. We should go. And Arden's like, yeah. And she goes. And they get there. And she she thought she got there in time and ate, but then she got low afterwards because just way too much of a pre-bolus. And then she didn't yeah. eat the same thing that she was thought she was going to eat. So, okay. So, you know, Dexcom catches the low before it happens. I text her. I'm like, Hey, you see this? She goes, yeah. And I'm like, I think this is going to keep going. The line has a, like, I said that that line is talking to me. This is trying to go down. Like really, you know what I mean? Yeah. So she's like, okay. So she starts, you know, she does something. She's like, I'll just drink a juice. And she drank a juice and it caught it and held it for a while. And then suddenly it wanted to go lower again. So it, it was late. And she's like, I want to go to bed. So she ate something more substantial. And then she's like, dad, if I bolus for what I just ate, it's going to give me like seven units of insulin. Mm -hmm. And I thought that's right. But I don't, but I don't want her to sit up all night. So I, was yeah. like, I said, okay. I was like, well, instead of telling it was 40 carbs, why don't you tell it it was 20 carbs? Let it give you the four units it wants to give you or something like that. And then we'll go to sleep. And if that's not right, which I don't think it's going to be, the algorithm will stop and bring you back down again. So you might go up, but you're not going to go much past 200 and you can sleep and this thing will level you out. And I have to say, she should have just bolused probably closer to 40 carbs, not all of them. And exactly what I thought was going to happen, happened. Her blood sugar went up like 190. It stayed up there for a while. And then it came back down. But, you know, her day off is today. So she's trying to sleep in. So Arden's blood sugar right now is 130. And she has not been tending to it for the last eight hours. And so that's a thing where back in the day, if you would have done that, your blood sugar yeah. would have gone up to 450. And it would have, you would have woken up with a 400 blood sugar. Yeah. And yeah. you wouldn't necessarily know because, again, it gives you a fragment in time. It doesn't give you like that big picture of how it is, what direction, for how long. Yeah. Yeah. All of those things. So, with this technology, I was able to say, okay, I know we're not going to be perfect tonight, but everybody's going to sleep and our blood sugar is going to be okay in the morning. And that's all technology. It's really. Oh, it's incredible. Yeah. I am. Um, I shared with you earlier, I just had my third child like four weeks ago. Oh, wow. Congratulations. And Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. And when I was pregnant with my first, um, before I got pregnant with him, my husband was the one who actually pushed me to get a pump. And he was like, cause I think he came with me once to my endo appointment. Cause he just wanted to learn more and they brought up the pump and he was like, this would be really good for you. And I was like, no, like I got this. Like, are you, you don't think I can manage my diabetes? Like I, it came from a very like defensive mm -hmm. perspective, which to be honest was, was not smart, but anyways, he was like, let's just go and take a look at it. And anyways, I ended up going in the pump and I will say, I don't know how I would have managed pregnancy without an insulin pump. Um, I didn't have a CGM for my first pregnancy and I managed well, but it was now that I, I had it for the, the next two, it was a game changer. Like my insulin needs went up like 75% during my, like more than that during my pregnancy. Right. And I, I managed my, my insulin and my blood sugars during delivery. Um, 
And it was like a breeze. It was obviously very hard. I'm not going to sugar with that at all. Um, just because so much fluctuates in pregnancy with blood sugars and, and how much insulin you need and how your body reacts. But um, but it I don't know how anyone would have done that without it. Tell, tell me, wait a minute. So you were like pushing out a baby and running your insulin at the same time? Yeah, I did that for all three of my pregnancies. That's so cool. But the um, first two, you did it with the MDI and, and a meter? Uh, no, 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 no. So with my first, I had the pump, but I didn't have a CGM. Gotcha. Um, so I was still testing and, um, it was great. Like my endo and I came up with a plan she's like, once you deliver, you're going to cut back your insulin by this much, like bring everything down by 50%, 70%. Um, and it was, it was so helpful. Cause like, again, unless you're dealing with a specialist, a lot of people don't know the ins and outs of diabetes. Like I remember came across the hospital was out was phenomenal. Like they were amazing, but the nurse was like, am I supposed to give you your insulin like every hour? And I was like, no, you'll kill me. Don't do that. I got this. Don't worry. (laughs) (laughs) You're a sweet lady. Please go away. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, exactly. Pretty much. I was like, please stay away from me. Um, but you know, when you know something so well, you know how your body reacts. And again, with the pump and with a, a CGM, like you just, it's just a different, a different level. Yeah. So in your note to me, you mentioned a couple of other things. One of them was that you kind of have a high stress job. Is that right? Um, yeah. So it's funny. I, I guess I, I probably responded a little while back and I was in a different position, a different company at that point in time, but I traveled a lot for work. Um, prior to having kids, it was like, I was traveling at some points like every week. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, you know, you're doing presentations, you're meeting with uh, high profile people and it's, uh, it, it's busy and stressful and, you know, you kind of have to react accordingly. So with diabetes, it's a, uh, it's, it's, it's different. It's hard. <laughs> yeah. What, so you were on a lot of flights and, yeah. and did you yeah. have any trouble with that or did you find, what was the secret to doing it? Well, I guess. It's interesting. Cause until like you guys had a episode about this, which I was very grateful for, but I would always have like a significant drop or a significant increase. And I would never understand why, like to the point where like one time on a plane, I was with a colleague and I like, I kind of blacked out and I couldn't understand why I was like, I like don't, don't get it. Like what happened? And I remember talking to my endo and I was like, does my insulin pump give me more insulin? Like when we go down, I'm not on a tube. Like I want to, I'm on a, a Omnipod. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they were like, no, there's nothing in here that would indicate it. But after listening to your I think the episode on it and then like reading a lot of the comments, it just seemed like a common theme. So, you know, I just made sure to like chug a little bit more before going on the, on like going on a flight, like suspend my insulin at certain times. And like, I would always keep my blood sugar slightly higher because I was traveling by myself yeah, um, just to be safe. Um, and then I knew like what to do once my sugars came down. So it was, it, I think when you're in a really busy uh, job or when you're in a really high stress job, um, one of the things with having diabetes is like, you have to figure it out. And like, you just, you're kind of learning on the fly too. Yeah. Um, I have like presentations and like, you're super prepared. And then, you know, for me, if I get nervous, my blood sugar drops and then, you know, you're going up on stage or you're talking to like a ton of people. And then you're like, Oh my God, I'm shaking. Like, how am I supposed to do this? So you kind of have to kind of plan a little bit ahead to be like, okay, I know I get nervous. I got to have an extra juice before going on. You know, my blood sugar might be a little bit high for like 20 minutes afterwards, but then I have it because I'm catching it right in time. So you kind of, you kind of look at trends and see how you, Mm -hmm. how you respond. Yeah. You build, you build like guardrails into the moment, right? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I'm noticing Arden doing that even in just a few weeks that she's at school times where she would not have been concerned about getting low because she would have said like, first of all, I know this is going to work, 
But if I were to get low, I'll take care of it. But now she's not airing like she's not airing on the side of caution to the point where she's pushing her blood sugar way up. But I do see her mm-hmm. think, thinking about it a little bit. Like she yeah. um she caught she caught a little bit of a drop during a class yesterday, and I was gonna say maybe we could. I don't even know. Like I texted her, I was like, "What are you gonna do here?" And she had already done like three things instead. Like, you know, I would, I might've said like, you could try a couple of gummy bears here and see what happens. Or I think it's too late to cut back your basil, like that kind of stuff. She's like, I cut back my basil, I had a gummy bear and I drank a half a juice. And I was like, oh, wow. You're like, you're way ahead of me. Well, not only that, <laughs> but she's just like, look, I'm by myself. Exactly. This is different. And it hit her very quickly. You know what I mean? So. I think that's one of the things when you are by yourself, like I'm not going to, when I was with when I lived at home, you know, my parents were always very helpful, but when you're by yourself, you recognize like the world does not know what you have to do and the world does not know how to respond to you. Um, I had a, again, before being on a pump, before being on a CGM, uh, we went, a, friend, a few friends of mine went to Buffalo for the day to go shopping because first of all, you guys have Target and that's freaking amazing. <laughs> that's a different podcast story. Um, and we, we'd gone shopping and we came back and I think on the way we had, we got like Timbits or like those little donut holes, which we have Tim Hortons here. They have these things called Timbits. Anyways, I dosed for like three of them and one of them fell on the floor and I just forgot about it. So the example you gave with Arden where like her blood sugar was going down, she could see it because she forgot about it. I forgot about that Timbit and I was attending to something and in the duty free, I passed out and I hit something and I was bleeding everywhere. Mm. Um, and my friends were like freaking out and, um, it it was it was bad. <laughs> wow! For the love of a Timbit, you're on the floor. All for the bleeding. Timbit. Yeah, look, yeah. At, look at the things I had to go through. Um, but I even just forgot what we were talking about, Scott, because I just so sleep deprived from uh, having a baby. So what, what were you just talking? You make, what did you make a third baby for? Were the two not enough? What were you doing? <laughs> There's a motto in our household: like you can do hard things. <laughs> okay, well, trust me, making three babies. You can persevere. Yeah, that's going to be hard. <laughs> By the way, for the love of a Timbit. Can we make that the episode title? Because for the love of the Timbit, yeah, oh my god! Because but I, there was a reason I was telling you the story, and now I forgot because I'm like sleep deprived. Don't there worry. Was a reason there was a purpose. I, what I, were we talking about? I know before? what it was, and I'll take you back to it in a second. But let me just tell you this: prior to the Timbit story, I've been sitting here trying to decide if I am a genius and came up with something that no one has ever thought of before. Or if I just thought of something that everyone's thought of before, because I thought, can we call this episode Canindian? And- oh my God. <laughs> you know, it's funny. So my husband's Jewish and we always call like our kids little Hindu babies. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can see your last name. And I have to tell you that when you got on and we were chatting before we started recording, you're like, I'm Indian. I was like, well, you're definitely married then because. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> but you can call whatever you want. Um, well, who I, was, well, why did I tell you that story? I'm going to tell you. I almost feel, by the way, I feel like so powerful now that I know what we were talking I about. And you don't. <laughs> Am I your mercy? I really don't. I'm like, this. let me just, I'll just manipulate the conversation any way I want because she's stuck. No. Um. So anyway, I just, you, you know, I was like Googling while you were like, I wanted to make sure I'm like, what if Canindian's like a bad word or something like that? And oh, I, yeah. and my stupid head just came up with it. Anyway, no, no, here we go. So we were talking about, you talked about how Arden bullish for something. Yeah. And, and she forgot about and it. She right? forgot about it. And then we talked about how being by yourself is much different than being oh, around yes. people. There I remember go. now. Okay. Thank you, Scott. You're okay. welcome. <laughs> Thank you for reading my memory. Um, 
yeah, when you're by yourself, like you have to figure things out. And some things, sometimes things go sideways, like they really go sideways, but you learn from it. Like I know now when I'm by myself, I don't have that luxury of forgetting. You know what I mean? And with the CGM and with the pump, it's a different story. You have indicators to tell you if you have, but I mean, when you're by yourself, you have no one else to rely on. Nobody else knows. Oh, I know why I was telling you. So I had that, I passed out and my friend really like ran to go get me a pop and I didn't have like my glucagon or whatever it was on me. And um, my other friend who was with us, someone tried to give me my insulin and my friend had to fight them off me. And she was like, what are you doing? You're going to kill her. And the person was like, my mom has diabetes. Like she needs her insulin. And my friend was like, your mom's probably not a type one diabetic. Like she has low blood sugar, like get a, get the hell away from her. And I remember my friend was shaking for like days after that. Cause she's like, that person would have killed you if I wasn't there. Was that like, a they stranger they were helpful. or somebody? Yeah. Your, it, really? A stranger. Cause, cause again, like I had passed out in the duty free, like I was surrounded by blood. It was a pretty intense situation. Um, but it was just a, a reminder to me that, you know, people mean well, but even with good intentions, people still don't know what we know. You know, like, you know, how your body responds to something. Arden probably knows now how she responds to certain foods, certain incidents or like events in her life. Like we all kind of learn as we go when you're diabetic too, or you have a child who's diabetic, whatever. Um, But a stranger to them, a lot for a lot of people, it's like you're diabetic, you take insulin. Like that's what it is. Mm -hmm. Well, well, in that movie with Julia Roberts, this is definitely what they would have done, right? They either made her drink juice or gave her a shot. So, yeah, yeah. And it, it's it's definitely a huge oversimplification, but I, I, I but that's so what sorry, people like, see, though. I mean, because they yeah. don't know, although I am fascinated that a stranger would be comfortable just giving a medication to somebody. Don't well, worry. That's that's another like scary thing. I was yeah. like, uh, like <laughs> I know what do to that. do. And you're over there like bleeding and, and low. And you yeah, don't I was know. like, please don't kill me. <laughs> <laughs> you, you don't know what's happening, right? No, no. Yeah. And like, I think that, you know, I'm obviously a little embarrassed sharing that with like so many people who listen to your podcast. But the reason I share that is like, I think if you have a kid who's diabetic or you're diabetic, you quickly learn that like you can prepare them up to a point, but they'll have to learn certain things on their own. And like, you really hope obviously it's nothing that hurts them or damages them in any way. But I think a lot of those um, events, whether it's passing out or like a high profile, a high stress job is you will quickly have to figure things out. Like you don't have a choice. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think too that there's ways to recognize scenarios that are going to be, um, that could be more problematic than others and defend yourself around those. Like keeping your blood sugar a little higher if you're on a plane and you know you get yeah. low on a plane and you're by yourself. Or, you know, that I just, I, I realize now that uh, if this were to happen to you again, you'd snatch that diet, that donut hole up off the floor and just eat it dirty. You wouldn't even Yeah, I'd be like, five second rule. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> I need this. I got to I'm sorry. No one judge me. I'm eating this donut hole from the floor. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, and or like, I know, like I could suspend or like put a temp basil until I find something like there's so many things now I would do differently if I had those tools back then. Yeah. Um, but even with a, with even a pump and sensor, like things go wrong sometimes, but I still think that you're kind of given an advantage because you kind of, you know, the direction in which things are going. This is a good conversation for me to have at this point in my life, because I made a good decision the other day, but I wasn't certain if I did. And talking to you tells me that I did. Arden was concerned she was going to get lower and she's looping. And so she did the, she, she didn't override and she took her, like all the power of the loop away from it for a little while. And I thought, oh, I think she's going to get high after this. 
but I didn't say anything because a, I wanted her to run it herself and see what happens. But now I'm seeing that the other benefit of not saying anything is that she needs to feel free to protect herself. And yeah. yeah. And that's tough. Cause like, you know, none of my children are type one, but I mean, I, I think as a parent, you want to protect your kids. You want the best from them. You never want to see them get hurt, but you also want them to be independent and prepared and equipped. And I think finding that balance, especially when you have a child that's type one must be so challenging. Mm, yeah. Well, so you said, um, gosh, did you say this on the recording that your brother was just diagnosed? Yeah. At yeah. the age of 40. That's insane. Yeah. So do you have any other brothers and sisters and are they panicking? No, no, I just have an older brother okay. and it was a huge shock to him. Um, my brother's amazing. Like he's brilliant. Like he's got a great job. He's married with two beautiful kids and they had just had their second child and they just bought a house. It was like all stressful things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of everyone would just was kind of like, Oh, he, you know, he looks really weak and like he's lost weight. Um, so the, the signs were clearly there, but I think we just all made excuses for them. We're like, Oh, he, you know, he looks tired and weak, but like, Oh, he's probably not sleeping because they have a newborn. And it's like, oh, he looks stressed out. Well, they just bought a house and they're moving. Like, of course. Um, but mm, his wife pushed him to go get a blood sugar. And it was, we're in millimoles per, per liter here. So like his blood sugar was like 26. Mm. Um, wow. And I I went to the hospital with him, like forcibly stayed to just ensure that they tested for the right things. Like from the Facebook group, I knew like push for a C-peptide test, like to push for like an antibody test, you know, like make sure you get the proper diagnosis. Um, because initially it was like, oh, you might have type two diabetes. Um, and that was kind of the first, first thing that I was like, no, 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 no. Like you need to get with a proper endo who knows what this is. Everyone else is just going to treat you like, you know, even you standing next to him with type one diabetes, they said maybe he has type two diabetes. No, no. Before Uh, I was there, like I I hovered, my brother was like, go home. I was like, I'm not going anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Well, boy, I'll tell you, that's interesting. I, I'd love to ask him, like, did he think his whole life, did he think I'm getting away with this? Like, Isha has it, but I don't. Or, like, I I wonder if siblings, I guess my question is, I wonder if siblings that don't have type 1 spend their whole life wondering if they're going to get it. You know what? I I don't know. I, I, like, I think everyone around was pretty shocked because they were like, he's 40, though. And I think it's a good reminder that, like, you know, it used to be called juvenile diabetes. It's not called juvenile diabetes anymore, right? Or at least I don't think it is. Uh, no, <laughs> and, I, and I've for inter- that reason. I believe that I've inter- I've no listen. For some reason, I don't really remember the podcast so well. Uh, okay, so you understand but, when I blocked out and I fo- totally forgot what I was talking oh, about. You make me feel better. <laughs> I, I got a text from Isabel like three days ago, and she goes, "What do you want to do with this?" And I looked at it and I said, I have no idea what this is. And she goes, what's from a person you interviewed three days ago? And it's it's information she said she was going to send to you. And I was like, uh. I don't remember that. I was like, what was it about? Like, because I'm not on the same timeline you guys are. So I like if you download the podcast uh. this week, you hear stuff I recorded six months ago. And so Fair I don't enough. I don't remember it anymore. Um, anyway, uh, but. Now, what the hell was I going to say? You're rubbing off on me, Isha. I know. Yeah, <laughs> uh, no, it was, we were just talking, you saying we were interviewed a number of people. And oh, we were talking thank about you. If siblings, like, ever think, like, yeah. well, I don't have it written down lifetime. somewhere, but I would bet that if I took, I don't know, a flow chart, I have probably interviewed somebody who's been diagnosed at every age, like one, two, three, yeah. four, like, 
it 50, 55, like set. I, I think I did somebody recently who was diagnosed like at the end of their sixties or their early seventies. Like, so there's no, I mean, is it uncommon for you to get diabetes if you're 60 type one diabetes, if you're 69 years old, maybe, but it could happen. And if you have a sibling who has it, like, do you like, you know what I mean? Like, you know, when your father, somebody's father dies of a heart attack when they're 40, yeah. you spend your whole life thinking, well, I'm not going to live past 40. Um, I don't know. I just, I always wonder that. It's, it is interesting though. Cause I've, I've heard of people who, you know, have multiple kids who are type one and some who have none. And like, I know, I think if you're a type one diabetic, like you are for me, like, I'm always like, will my kids have this? Like, is this something that they'll have to worry about? Yeah. Um, I never really thought about it in terms of like other family members. Um, and I feel bad about that. Um, but I, I will say the silver lining is I'm grateful. Like I know what I know because I was able to help my brother out. Like I brought him a sensor in the hospital. I was like, you're not waiting for anyone. Like wear this. Um, That's cool. So it gives him that advantage, I think. And like, I can guide him to the, the podcast and the Facebook group and all of the other things that That's I think nice. are really, really helpful. No, that's excellent. So do you, um, I mean, you obviously you have just had a third kid. Do you think about that? Do you consider like trial net or oh, something? Yeah. I actually have. So I did trial net with my son and it came back clear, which was really nice. Um, I haven't done my daughter yet. She's three now. And my son is literally like four weeks old. So he's got some time. I'm not going <laughs> to, he's, I think he has to be above two, right? Um, yeah. I think you have to be a certain age. And then if you get a completely clear, I know trial net won't test you again. If you don't get any antibodies, I think that's yeah. how it works. So it was nice. Like I had a conversation with someone once where like, what's the benefit of doing that? And I said, you know, it's peace of mind. And I think about my brother and I'm like, he has a sibling who's type one and everyone around him, even myself, like I feel guilty about that was like, oh, he just had a kid. Like that makes sense. You're tired. You've lost weight because you're not eating and sleeping properly. Um, you know, looking back when we piece together all the symptoms, I'm like, yeah, those are like textbook mm -hmm. symptoms. But I think, you know, with your own kids, like my, my son would drink a lot of water and I'm like, Oh my God, he, he must have diabetes. My, my husband would be like, no, it's like 40 degrees outside. Your, your son is hot and he needs to drink water. Like relax. Um, I think getting that test gave me some peace of mind to be like, okay, he's, you can just be a normal kid. Like yeah. not everything has to be a symptom. Um, or if he was, if he did have the antibodies, at least I'd know what major things to look out for so that it doesn't get to a point where it's terrible, you know? People's brains work one way or the other on that. It's either exactly yeah. what you just said or the people are like, look, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. I'd like to live blissfully ignorant until it happens. Like one or the other, you know, like it's. Yeah. Yeah. And I hear you. And I think there's, there's advantages to everything. I just think that, you know, sometimes we, we think we'll catch everything. And I think we kind of underestimate like how complex and crazy life gets because you're right. Like you could lose a lot of weight and attribute it to something completely different. Mm -hmm. And you could be really thirsty and, you know, maybe it's a, a side effect of a medication you're on. Um, I've heard so many stories of people getting diagnoses, take diagnoses. This is how, you know, I'm tired. <laughs> diagnoses. <laughs> you know, when they find <laughs> out about stuff. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, they're like, I don't know why I didn't see that. Um, my father-in-law um, just had a quadruple bypass. He's doing really well now, but for the longest time we were like, you're just out of shape. Mm -hmm. Like go for another walk. Like you probably need to just exert, like, you know, get your heart rate up and like eat better. And now when we look back, we're like, no, it was because you had this underlying heart condition and you didn't realize the symptoms. Yeah. So hindsight is always 2020, 20, but I mean, if there's anything you can do to kind of give yourself markers to look out for, I think it's always helpful, but that's my perspective. Mm -hmm. I, rec I recognize teach his own. 
You know, it's funny when you were stumbling over diagnosis. Um, <laughs> there you go. It came up to me that it, it popped in my head that there's a word I can never remember. And I I think I've said it on the podcast recently. And I thought, well, I'm aware that I can't remember it. So I'll think of it right now. And while you were talking, I still couldn't come up with it. So the word means when, oh my God, it's amazing. The word means this has got to be like, I'm going to have an aneurysm or something. Like, there's got to be a part of my brain that's, like, burned, right? So when you are afraid that if you do something – oh, I got it. Superstitious. There we go. I can't think of the word superstitious when I need it. Isn't that ridiculous? It's, yeah, it's verbal. I remember there's a term for it. It's, like, when the neural connections your brain are weak, you have to, like, strengthen them. So it's called – I think it's, like, verbal fluency or something like that. Really? I I I – I've been in multiple conversations. If you listen, listen, if somebody wants to do a deep dive on this podcast, go back and listen for every time the word superstition could have been used. And I talk around the word to explain it because I can't. Well, at least you recognize that you don't remember it and then you can like make do. I always just sit there and I'm like, I don't know what I'm talking about anymore. (laughs) I'll tell you that this, I think making a podcast like this is really good for your brain. Because oh, absolutely. there are days that I sit down, and I'm exhausted, and I'm like, all right, Scott, like, this is it. We're going to have a good conversation with this person. It doesn't matter that you're tired. Like, go. And I pull it together for an hour, and then I'll leave the room and just be like, I got to take a nap. <laughs> it's like, I don't even know how I like, did this. Although, I'll tell you, I did yesterday, um, and then I have more questions for you. But I interviewed Jennifer Stone yesterday. So she's the girl, the redhead from Wizards of Waverly Place. Do you know that show on Disney? I'm so terrible. Don't I've worry. been heads down for a while. <laughs> like, I need to be back in it, society. <laughs> it's, it's, it's an older show. Like, she's older now. She's 29, but she's got type 1, and she became a nurse. So, oh, wow. So she's in this incredibly popular TV show with Selena Gomez, and she's also... That's why her name... I'm like, her name sounds so familiar, but I don't know who she is, yeah. but that's probably why. So um, I believe she played a character called Harper Finkel in... Wizards of Waverly Place, but not the point. The point is, is that I've interviewed a number of famous people who have type 1 diabetes, and sometimes they're, I'm just not, I don't think I'm going to say anything. Sometimes they're not a great conversationalist for some reason, but Jennifer was amazing. Like so much so that when it ended, I thanked her for being a person and being able to hold a conversation. <laughs> thank you for being here. Yeah, like this was <laughs> amazing. Like we stopped recording and I was like, thank you so much. I was like, you were thoughtful and articulate and engaged and didn't run away the minute the recording was over. And you, you know, like it was um it was it was nice. it was lovely, actually. Yeah. Uh anyway, she didn't have that. any trouble coming up with words while she was talking, I think is where that thought. Well, listen, came from. we all have different skills we need to work on, okay? Yeah. Well, mine is remembering damn it, superstition. There we go. There you go. <laughs> okay, so um do you have gastroparesis? So it's funny enough, I actually looked at the notes and I was like, I don't even want to talk about that anymore. So I actually didn't officially get a diagnosis for many years. I was like, I think I have an ulcer. And then I remember going for like an endo and they're like, no, you're um, an endoscopy. And they're like, you're totally fine. And I was like, but I feel like there's a hole in my stomach and I don't like, this is really weird. And I'm like belching and like, I couldn't get answers. And I remember I did that. Like there's a test you do where you eat like a sandwich Mm-hmm. And they kind of see how it travels down your system. I was like, am I eating something that's nuclear reactive? Like what is happening? <laughs> but anyways, they were like, you're fine. But I knew like, 
that's another thing I think when you live with a medical condition is you really are forced to notice how you feel, you know, like you pay attention to certain symptoms at times, like, okay, something feels off. Um, and finally I met with a doctor and this was like after a few years of pushing it. Cause I was like, this comes and goes and like, I don't know what's happening. Um, and he was like, you've had diabetes for over 20 years. Like we do see this for, and I was like, but I have really good control. Like my blood sugars are really good. Like I have lows here and there, but like for the most part, they're great. And he was like, just being like one of the risk factors, unfortunately, it's like if you live with something for a very, very long time, like you can have it. Um, and anyways, I haven't had a flare up in like years, but I got kind of like an indirect diagnosis from um, a gastroenterologist. And it was, to be honest, kind of like a relief because I was like, okay, I'm not crazy. Um, that makes a lot of sense. I have all the symptoms, but like, I don't need to, I don't know if it's because like my blood sugars are so good now. Like I haven't had a flare up. I don't have to control my diet. Um, I do know how to manage it when it impacts my blood sugar now. Mm-hmm. So if it does kick in, I kind of know to, but a temp basil on for like a higher rate for a couple of hours to kind of avoid any delayed to be honest, like how you deal with proteins and fats is probably the same way. Right. Right. Um, so do you have stomach, did you have stomach pain? Yeah. Like I would eat something and I would like be sitting down with a friend and I'd be like, I'd like, I'd burp and they'd be like, Whoa. And I was like, I don't know what's wrong with me. Like what is happening? (laughs) Um, so it's like you, you belch like you, and I think it's just because you haven't digested food properly for, for a little bit. Um, how did, how did things work on the other side? Were they coming through? Okay. Yeah. And that's, that's why I think a lot of the times everyone's like, you're totally fine. Like we don't see anything, but I had certain symptoms that I was like, no, I I know this is not normal. And I know that something's happening because I see it reflected in my blood sugars. Um, and I, you know, obviously I did a lot of research and a lot of things that I read is like, you can have a very mild form and like, you know, again, through blood sugar control and this and that you can manage. I know for some it's, they need to be on medication and like they have to like remove certain foods from their diet. And thankfully I haven't gotten to that. Right. Um, but I, I do know if every now and then it, it kind of flip, like I'll, I'll have it creep up, but it's probably been a few years and I'm grateful for that, that I haven't had that as a concern. Um, have you noticed any impacts from stress on it? No, you know what? Interestingly enough, no, I see it reflected obviously my blood sugar and other things. Like the only other health condition that I have, I have psoriasis and like, that's something that I see flared up with stress. That's stress. Um, but other than that, no. And I'm, I'm, I've kind of forgotten about it until you brought it up. I was like, oh yeah, that's a thing. Mm. Just because Arden, uh, for, I mean, a, a while, like longer than I think, would be like, oh, my stomach hurts. Like, you know, like she'd ask us to push on her stomach, things like that. And she was constipated on top of all that. And then we ended up, you know, you go through, it's interesting how sometimes you skip over common sense and go to a doctor. Yeah. And so, you know, we did everything we could think of, you know, like every test and everything and everything always came back okay. So finally we got her, uh, you know, a scope and the guy comes back and says, it's very similar to what you heard. He goes, uh, well, there's some undigested food in her stomach. That's gastroparesis. And I was like, well, I just talked about this in another episode. I was like, wait, 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 wait. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, I said, she's, I know. you know, and I he's like, and she's like, you know, and so um, he goes, well, that's just the term we use for slow digestion. I was like, well, call it slow digestion then. Because yeah, I know, don't. <laughs> yeah, I was like, My, you, but then that's the thing. Like when you get a, a certain diagnosis, we all think of things, I think in probably the worst case or a very like severe case. 
Um, so sometimes it's hard to see where we fit into that, where you're like, I'm not like that, or like, I'm, you know, I can eat my foods and I'm not in pain curled up on a ball. Um, but it's, I, I can totally understand that. Cause I, I joined a group online to just learn more about it. And I couldn't relate to anything. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh my God, this is terrible. Like, is this what my life is going to be like? Like, you know, these people are incredible what they're dealing with on a daily basis. That sounds so hard. Um, but I kind of recognize is you can have varying forms of things. And again, like it's just slow digestion at times. So yeah. I do agree with you. Like the, the, the name of it probably throws you off. Yeah. I was I yeah, because in my mind, I was like, well, the so there's nerve damage and ardent stomach. And he goes, Well, no. And I was like, Well, then let's not call it gastroparesis while we're talking because you're you're messing my head up. Like just yeah. let just and he's like, Oh, okay. So he goes, Well, we're gonna put her, <laughs> he goes, Let's put her on a gastroparesis diet. And I was like, Are you not following this, man? I was like, Are so, you speaking the same language? Because yeah. you clearly can't hear me. So so where I was lucky is that I got to call Jenny, who's a nutritionist oh, and has type one diabetes, and we talked through it and she goes, I don't, Arden doesn't have the astroparesis the way we're talking about, like thinking about it. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I think I probably have what, what you saw with Arden yeah. at times. And I think like, you know, listen, like we for those of us who are diabetic, like even with good control, there's just certain things that I think we're probably more prone to. Mm-hmm. But I think names of things can really mess with your head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was like, wait, because also he's talking about significantly restricting our diet forever and putting her on pain medication. Yeah. And instead, yeah. she's taking a couple of supplements and she's okay. Yep. Yeah. That's exactly what I did. Yeah. I remember the doctor gave me, like, I think I had pushed my endo to give me, like, medication. And I didn't take it. Mm-hmm. And she was like, why did you ask me for this then? And I was like, I thought I needed it. But I think I don't. And I don't want to take it because I don't want to become, I don't want this to become part of my, like, I'm not where everyone else is who has got gastroparesis. And I, and I didn't need it. And it was just, again, like monitoring certain things and being right. more mindful of how I felt. How about we didn't even ask for the medication. He gave it to us in the first office yes. visit before only talking to her. It's like, here's some samples. And I'm like, what in the hell? You know, <laughs> like, like you're giving us, you're giving like an 18 year old samples uh, of a pain medication before you're actually like, you said, well, I don't want her to be in pain. And I was like, Arden, we got out in the car and Arden goes, I'd rather my stomach just hurt. And I was like, okay, gotcha. So it is funny, though, after she got to school and she's forced to eat in the cafeteria the whole time, she's like, hey, my stomach's starting to hurt once in a while again. Um, and I and we went over what she's eating. And I was like, Arden, you have to avoid, like, fried foods. Like, just yeah. because you don't eat it. Yeah. You know, she's like, there's French fries here all the time and stuff like that. I'm like, yeah, you can't, like, like stay away from it, like, oily stuff. And she was like, oh, okay. By the way, my stomach would hurt if I ate fried food all the time. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. See, it's it's interesting like hearing like just what you guys, how you guys were kind of like problem solving with that. I just find, because we were talking about like high stress jobs. I think one of the things that I notice with everyone who's type one is that there is this like, you figure it out. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it's, it's actually like a skill that I think not everyone has is just that mechanism to be like, okay, this might be hard, but I'm still going to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And I, I love that. Yeah, I think she's starting to finally get it, too. Because when she was younger and I'd say stuff like, well, it might be this, she'd be like, you're not, you even heard, if you listened to her on the podcast recently, she's like. I haven't, not oh, yet. Oh, okay. She's like, you know, you're not Dr. House. And I was like, well, I felt like it. And she goes, she goes <laughs> like this, I know you did. And I said, well, I was very <laughs> proud of myself. Um, but I think that can be annoying. But it's interesting how as soon as she went off to college and she's by herself, it wasn't like 
oh, don't annoy me with your ideas about what was wrong. She's like, hey, what do you think is wrong here? <laughs> I think she, you know, she she switched pretty quickly to being interested in what I thought. And I was like, oh, okay. Distance makes the heart grow fonder, right? <laughs> <laughs> I think it, I think it made her realize she was by herself and she didn't want to be by herself. You, you know, like in the thought process, even like of course, just, and you, know, you probably you start to look at things differently too. Like you recognize something may have been annoying because you had access to it all the time, but now you're like, oh my gosh, that was actually giving me insight to figure this out or like to find a solution. Mm-hmm. So it's, no, I, also, I do think perspective. I'm also like irritatingly consistent. <laughs> So when she, I have to find this text from last night because I saw her, like I said, I I saw her going down. She saw herself going down. She was taking care of it. And I said, I almost have it. Hold on a second. Oh, I said, um, hey, um, she goes, why were you just calling me? I said, I'm checking on you. I don't like the way this drop looks. I said, it's all good if it's all good, but don't forget, you know, that's it. And testing would be a good idea in this situation. I love you. And she goes, Dad, I know. And I responded, I know you know, but I'm 13 <laughs> hours away and I'm going to worry. So please test your freaking blood sugar and, and drink some juice. And I said, again, I love you. <laughs> and then you know what she did? She tested her blood What'd sugar. She, do? she tested her blood there you sugar go. and she sent me the number. So um, it was just, it was one of those. I mean, anybody who has a CGM knows like this wasn't just a fall. Like we described earlier, she over, you know, yeah. she bullish or something. I could tell just by the, by the the angle of the line that this wasn't stopping. And I don't know if she can see that yet. So I also said to her in a text, I was like, look at the, I was like, bring up a three hour graph. Look at the angle of that line. That ang- that line tells me if you don't do something, you're going to be 40. And even though you're 70 right now. And so I'm hoping she learns that stuff too, through those experiences. She will. I'm sure she will. She will. Yeah. I think, and and a lot of those skills, like relating it back to what we're talking about with work, it's, I think all of the skills we get from being diabetic or or living with someone who's type one or managing someone who's type one is there are a lot of transferable skills that way that I think are so valuable, Mm -hmm. like so, so valuable. Just being able to look at trends, like being able to kind of look two, two, three steps ahead and be like, okay, this is going to happen if I do this. I understand how people who are maybe newly diagnosed or struggling don't want to hear this but diabetes teaches you so many things like if you if you let yourself have the experiences that are really valuable in a ton of other ways in life like it doesn't make your diabetes go away but you do become much more agile um a hundred percent a hundred percent like scott one of the things in our household like two actually two things let me backtrack a bit one, I always struggle when people are like, Di- diabetes doesn't define me. And I'm like, I get that. Like you are so much more than your diagnosis. But when people are like, it's not, it's not who I am. So much of who I am and so much of my personality has been shaped by my experiences from being type one or from my management or from my outlook or from just how I kind of navigate it on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. And a lot of the things we in our household that we teach our kids are a lot of them are based on my experiences. Like we always say in our household, like we can do hard things. Like just because something's hard doesn't mean we don't do it. Mm-hmm. You know, we always figure things out. Like it's it's hard, but we figure it out. There's always like there's always a way to figure it out. Like that perseverance aspect. You know, like you may know now that it's stress that impacts your blood sugars. Maybe you have a drop in your stress. Now it's like, what are you doing over and over again to figure out how to avoid that so you don't have a, a dangerous low? Yeah. Um. Or with my kids, it's like, okay, you don't get it the first time, but we got to keep trying. Like you don't just stop after the first try. It, um, 
it forces Empathy. you. I'm sorry, I cut you off. Go ahead. No, no, no. Like I'm just saying there's so many things. That's why like when people kind of shy away from being like, oh, diabetes is it's not who I am. I'm like, but there's so many good things. Like obviously, you know, in a heartbeat, I would take it away from everyone and anyone. But I mean, it really depends on the way you look at it. Like there's so much it teaches you. Um, and there are things that I think that people in general value, you know, like they're valuable skill sets to have and they're valuable qualities. Mm-hmm. It's a big idea that I don't know that I have completely figured through, but um, diabetes forces you not to ignore things. And it forces you to learn about what's happening to you instead of just drifting through. Because the consequence, every time the consequence of diabetes, of not paying attention, is uh, dying now or dying later sooner than you should. You know what I mean? Like, it's that's always the consequence. The end. Being sick, dying, having, like, massive trouble. So you're always working to stop yourself from getting to that spot, which seems like dire and terrible. And I guess it is on some level, but I think it works well against human nature where there's something about people that's not in their own best interest. So I think you're born in this like perfect, like little baby shell. Right. And then we all have this kind of expectation that this perfection will last throughout life. And then every time something happens, that's not perfect. We get dinged by it really harshly. Um, But these things like, uh, I don't know, I needed glasses when I was seven or some kid called me fat when I was in eighth grade or like those little things, like they're all in my mind, you start with whatever perfect is at 100%. And every time one of these little things happens, you get like a little chip comes off of of your perfect stone. You know what I mean? And you lose a little bit, you use a little bit, but you don't have to. I think we... Sometimes we let the chip get taken away and because you're like, oh, I, I was supposed to have a perfect life and it's not perfect. I'm not as tall as I wanted to be. I don't have as much money as I wanted. I didn't get to go to the school I wanted to go to. People don't talk to me the way I like, you know, whatever it ends up being. But diabetes, if you're going to live well with diabetes, you're not you can't let that happen. Every time no. every time it dings you, you have to put your hands up sort of like your friend at the duty free <laughs> and be like, yeah. no, 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 no. We're not doing 100%. this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. My parents used to say to me, like, I remember when I was diagnosed, and I think I once or twice, I just have a memory of kind of being annoyed about something. And my dad said to me, this is a good, like, diabetes is a good excuse for you to take care of yourself. Some people don't have good excuses to take care of themselves. You do. So there are people who don't have diabetes, and they're in terrible health because they have nothing to pay attention to. Like, everything you're paying attention to is just going to make you better. You're going to be more in tune with your body. You'll be healthier than the average person. And I kind of like to think of it like that. Like it's not all like rainbows and unicorns. It sucks sometimes for sure. But I really think if you kind of look at it from that perspective, it really changes the way you view these day-to-day like chips that you were talking about. You were just so much more succinct than I was, but thank you. Because (laughs) and I wasn't talking around words I couldn't think of. So I don't know why I was so verbose, but it's because I think it's because I mean, your father was is very smart, and and I think it's one hundred percent true. I just think that there's something about people's desire for nothing to ever go wrong that makes everything feel terrible. Instead, well, yeah, you know I mean? you're working towards something that's unattainable. Like nobody's perfect, right? You know what I mean? Like it's, I think it's just changing. I think it's more like you got to view it on a day to day. Like how how much better can I get? Like mm. how much better can I get at, at managing this? Or like, how can I do that in a different way that makes me uh, feel better? Yeah. Something, you know? No, I, I, 
I believe in it a lot. And I, for myself personally, the way I talk to my family, you know, like, okay, this didn't go right, but we're just going to let it go. And we're not going to devolve into whatever terrible like sinkhole this thing could pull you in if you let it. You, you know, it's it's almost like sometimes people throw themselves into the hole instead yeah. of, instead of just walking around it. I guess I don't know, and I, yeah. I don't, and I don't no, think it's think conscious. So. By the way, I, I don't think. Oh, of course not. Yeah, it's not intentionally. No, nobody's saying like, oh, I give up. Let me just fall into this mud pit and be done. You know, I think it's just oh, this thing went wrong, and I don't know how to fix it. That's the it's imp- hopelessness. Like yeah, you feel help. I totally understand that too. Sometimes, like if you don't know what to do. You feel like this is how it is forever. Mm. <laughs> like this sucks and I'm stuck here and I can't do anything about it. But right. I think if you take a few steps back, you recognize like this sucks right now, but you know, climb, like you can pull yourself out of that hole. Like I think, let's, let's try to climb out. <laughs> yeah. I also think too, the secret to it is understanding that it, yeah, you don't know how to fix it, but that's not really the important part. Like I, I know, I know that when I started making this podcast, I wouldn't have said this, but I've, I've had so many conversations with people with mental health struggles that I think that giving voice to your struggle, boy, that does sound like, like hippy dippy, but giving voice to your struggle really does alleviate it. Like saying yeah. out, saying out loud something, even if it's to yourself personally in your head or in a room that, you know, this happens, it, it takes it away. I'll tell you, it, it it's like cathartic. Know, it just really is. And it lets you leave it behind. So that you can, instead of like, instead of constantly thinking about it, thinking about like, how do I fix this? How do I make this better? How do I make people like me? How do I make myself not feel so anxious? Like, how do I like, just accept that you're anxious and keep moving. Just accept that everybody doesn't like you and keep moving. And I don't know. I think you can leave those things behind on your path and then look at the things in front of you. And all those things in front of you aren't going to be perfect. But again, you sidestep the ones that don't work for you and stick with the ones that do. And yeah. yeah, I think the big part of what you're saying is like you got to keep moving. Like that's the, I know it's and it was hard, and obviously, like I feel for anyone who's been through anything that's tough. But I think when you put a label to something, it validates that it's real, right? Yeah. Like it, it's a thing. It's not just something that's inside your head. It's something that you're actually dealing with, and that's okay. Right. But you can keep going. Yeah, that sucks. Keep going. That's pretty much it. Um, and I listen. I recognize not everybody's in my situation. Like I, I'm wearing clothes and. I have food and I'm sheltered and things like that. Like I'm, I'm, I hope nobody thinks that I'm saying, you know, if you're homeless, just ignore it and keep going. Like that's no, not, of that's, course yeah, not. Yeah, yeah, like, but, and, and it's, 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 it's like, it's subject, like again, context is everything. I think right. we're just to anyone listening. Scott is very in tune with everyone. <laughs> so am I, <laughs> we mean well. <laughs> no, I think, I think people get it. You know what I mean? It's just, um, Obviously, that advice doesn't work for everything, but I think it can work for things that burden you psychologically or um, about diabetes, like in general. Yeah. I think diabetes. I think diabetes can easily become a, a psychological burden, obviously, and so you have to figure out the parts of it that you can work with, the parts of it that you can kind of control, and the parts of it that you have to just kind of shrug and go, "Yeah, all right, well, there's nothing I can do about that." Um, you start fighting yeah. you start fighting the wrong battles you'll be stuck fighting those battles forever i think oh for sure yeah. i actually like yeah i was like going to mention cuz you were talking about the whole part of just keep moving or like you know trying to fit what well, we were talking about trying to figure things out um 
I remember before listening to your podcast, I would have these, like, there was a moment in time where I had these hills, like in my book, like you probably know what I'm talking about when you look at your CGM and it's like, looks like little mountains Mm -hmm. and I could never figure it out. And I was getting so upset. I'm like, this sucks. Like, I don't, and I think it was my husband was like, well, how are you going to solve that? Like, you just have to keep moving. You can't just sit there and complain about it. Like, is there something you can do? Um, and it's baby steps. Like I started recording what I ate and then kind of trying to find patterns. And then of course I came across a few episodes and I think some screen, like screenshots that people shared in your community group that were really helpful. So it's like any little bit you can do to help move yourself forward. Even if it's just like an inch is still very, very, very important to kind of factor into progress. Yeah, no, I agree. I, by the way, you about a couple of times you gave me. A couple, I know. I, I was I, like, someone's going to bring it up. And go away, everyone. <laughs> I appreciate. I appreciate that. Thank you. It's um, I don't know. I just enjoyed it. So, do your parents? It's funny because do you do you see? I'm going to ask you something because, yeah. like, so if you ever, did, I don't think you have an accent, but I always find it amazing. We're like, oh, you say it like this. I'm like, I don't think I say it like this because everyone around me says it like this, so it's fine. Mm-hmm. Oh, do, do do you talk to people who just are not aware of accents or is everyone kind of just like, there's something wrong with your voice, not mine? No, I don't think, I think most people don't hear any difference in how people speak, honestly, unless it's really like, I don't know, severe. Um, but, and you're like, you're interesting to me because um, the, the abouts were just, there was only two or three and they were very slight. And if I didn't know you're Canadian, I might've like, I might have missed them. They weren't like really like significant. So plus you have maybe a weird... if you go further east in Canada. <laughs> well, you also have that weird blend. Like I'm trying to decide: do your parents have Canadian accents or Indian? Yeah, they, my they... my I'm. It's like what you said. Sometimes you don't notice it. Like I don't think my parents do, but I think someone who may hear them from like outside of the family might be like, "Yeah, there's an accent there a little bit." Mm-hmm. My mom. Like my parents have been in Canada for such a long time. So I would, I don't know. So I don't know. I'm going to record them and listen to them and be like, do you? My, my daughter's friend, Sanjana, like she's incredibly Americanized, but you can hear the Indian in her voice if she starts speaking quickly. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. There's, listen, we, we all like our parents all rub off on us. In yeah. Some way. Yeah. That's where you hear it with her when she's, when her, when her speech patterns picks up in speed, it, it quickly goes like that. But you just sound like, like you could be from anywhere. From the sound of your I voice. I could. Yeah. I could. 100%. I should have told you I was from a place that doesn't exist and see if you could figure that out. <laughs> oh, oh try to embarrass me that I don't know that Mesopotamia is not on the map anymore well, or something actually, like that? Actually, I will tell you a story and I don't, you can cut this out if it's like so inappropriate, but I think it's hilarious. Um, years ago, I'd gone to Sarasota um, in Florida and I was meeting some friends and I was at the hotel and, and I was talking to someone there and they're like, oh, what's your background? And I was like, oh, I'm Indian. And this guy came over. He's like, what tribe are you from? And I was like, what? And he was like, what tribe? I'm like, no, no, no. I'm like, my parents are from India. And for the longest time, like he couldn't figure that out. Oh, he wanted and, to know if like you were Comanche or something like that. Yeah. Oh. He was like, he thought it was like, a, like, like, um, like it was native or Aboriginal, uh, depending on the term where you are in right. North America. It's used um, first nations or, and, and I was like, no, no. I'm like, and he had no idea where India was. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Florida is a special so, place. Yeah, I'm like, what are you talking about? I don't know why that made me think of that, but you can cut that out. Well, no, now that I know you're willing to talk about things like this, I have a last question before I let you go. How hard was it to get your husband's Jewish parents to be okay with this? Oh, my God. it was. They were great. It was funny because um, it's actually quite sweet. When we met, 
Um, I was like, I don't know how this will work. Like my parents are from India. Like it's very family oriented. They're going to want to know who your parents are. And like, I don't know if it works. So my husband like called my in-laws at, at the time and was like, okay, hey, we're going to, we have to meet Isha's parents. Like, we're going to do dinner. And he like made sure our families like got to know each other. So my parents were more comfortable with it. His family, parents were totally fine. Mm-hmm. My parents were like, okay. And then, you know, after that we were like, oh, they're two different cultures. Like, how are you going to have the ceremony? So my husband like looked at a Hindu Hindu. It's not even a real thing. The Hindu. Hindu. Um, Is that what you just said? Hindu. <laughs> I did. I did. <laughs> the like Hindu customs and Jewish customs and like basically we created our ceremony together. So it was quite nice. Kind of took a lot of effort to to mold both our families together. Do you think I'd get in trouble if I called this episode Hindu Can Indians? <laughs> oh my god my my hashtag for a wedding was Hindu twenty fifteen. <laughs> It's <laughs> amazing. Uh, so your parents didn't like, everybody. Nobody rubbed up against the cross culture nature of it. It was okay. I think at first my parents were more again like my parents came to Canada at a time I think where you know we don't there's a lot more exposure now and knowledge and acceptance. But like my parents hit certain things where people wouldn't give them a like my dad's an aerospace engineer and when he came here like couldn't get a job mm-hmm. um, because again like if you weren't a certain you know, skin color or background, it, they were Wasn't opportunities. And yeah. yeah. And I think as a society, at least we hope um, things have really progressed. And like my in-laws are wonderful. My parents like love my in-laws so much. Um, and my husband's like very protective over if anyone ever is kind of like racist or just kind of gives pushback or anything, he's quite vocal about it. So we've kind of molded our families together really nicely. It's nice. Yeah, It's really it's, nice. I only ask because I have a reasonably personal knowledge of a couple of Indian girls that we've known over the years who got pushed away from their boyfriends by their families. And I'm thinking of a couple, but I know one girl was not allowed to marry her Pakistani boyfriend. Like she could date him and nobody said anything about it. But when it came time to, to get married. And I think, I think it exists. And like, maybe I'll get like, I don't know if you'll actually play this part or not. I don't know. (laughs) Use your judgment. But I mean, I think in every culture, there's always this protection of wanting to preserve your customs and traditions. And I think a lot of people feel that if you move away from that, you're losing a sense of like years of ancestry, things like being passed down. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think now when I see it, it's like people are raised differently. Like I don't see someone and be like, oh, they're this color in this background. I'm like, oh, that's so-and-so like, great. Right. Um, Whereas I think, you know, a lot of the experiences that my parents' generation or their generation went through really shaped their outlook in terms of why they feel that way. Mm-hmm. Like it was just something you do. Like they also didn't have options. Like we have options now. Like you can date someone now who's of any background, any color, any age. Um, whereas if you grew up elsewhere, like you didn't have those opportunities. Sure. No, I'm, I, I always think of it as a sad story. Like, I don't know. I'm sure her life turned out fine. I have no idea, but I just remember in that moment thinking, wow, like, she's got to break up with the person she loves now. Like, that's it. It's time to get married. Stop seeing that boy. That's hard. And that's really hard. I I know of a lot of things. I I even have my own experience with people who are like, can't be with you because you're, you're Indian or you're, you're not this, you're not, it's, I don't know. It happens still a lot today. And I think every group, it is really sad. All very strange. Yeah. Yeah. And, and listen, diversity is important. And I'll tell you why, if for no other reason, I now know to get my eyebrows threaded, 
because of my Look daughter, at uh, you. because of my daughter's Indian friends. So, um, and it's way better. <laughs> Just so it <laughs> is. So first off, I need to look at your eyebrows now. <laughs> Second, I'm very impressed because not everyone knows about threading, and it is a game changer with your eyebrows. So good on you, Scott. <laughs> oh, it's amazing. My daughter used to Arden used to get waxed. And one day her friend was like, you really should just get threaded. A, it's insanely cheaper. And B, it's better. And so we- But it hurts. Like if you're not used to that, someone would start screaming. (laughs) Oh my God, Isha. So Arden's like, I'm going to go, I'm going to try it. Will you drive me? It's before she had a, before she had a license. So I drove her to this place and, you know, we went in and I, I will say the first time we went in, they looked at us like- why are there white people in here? It was very. <laughs> are you here? Are you in the right place? <laughs> hey, the pizza place is right over there, and you know, but like we, she sat down, she got threaded, and she did it again and again. She's like, "Can you take me to get threaded?" It became a thing we did together. And then one <laughs> one day, one day, she's like, "You should try it. Your eyebrows are terrible." And I was like, uh, "Okay, so I'm just you're a good sport." Oh like, my god, I don't it hurts so any- bad. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, I'm impressed that you know what that is because not many people do. Second, I'm impressed that you actually like went through it. Oh, it hurts so badly. Like your eyes water and like afterwards you're like, oh my God. But then you look and you're like, oh, they do look better. Okay. So then she'd go back and I'd go back to, we have little like punch cards. Like if we go 10 times, (laughs) we get like a free one. And, um, and then she like, it's one of the last things we did before she left for college. Oh, like, so threading is like your thing. I wonder if like thing. I wonder if Arden like thinks of you anytime someone <laughs> gets threaded. <laughs> well, she's like, I don't know what I'm gonna do when I'm down here. I think I found a place to go get threaded. I'm not sure. And I'm having the feeling like I don't want to go without her. <laughs> You're a- like, I'll be there in like four days. Yeah, I'll wait. <laughs> we'll I'll, I'll wait till you get home. We'll do it together. Uh but yeah, it, it it hurts less and less as time goes on. But if you skip yeah. if you skip a couple of like I don't know, weeks or whatever, and you come back, it's like, all right, I'm ready. Go ahead, do it. Um, but it's absolutely amazing. Um, anyway, there's, and by the way, you're getting charged like 30 or $40. If you're a person being waxed, like your lip and your brows, you're, you're paying a lot of money for that. I think threading with a tip is like eight or nine bucks. Like it's nothing. So just so you know, Scott, funny enough, it started off that way. Like I haven't gotten my eyebrows written forever because I think they're just like permanently like the way they were once I were threading them. <laughs> but um, they, people start to realize like it's a desired method of like doing your eyebrows or whatever. And like you, you like you can go some places and it's like $25. I can't do that. Or, like, yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. Okay. Inflation. I, well, I will fight against that. I'll picket it. Although I will tell you this one thing when we call to make an appointment, this is so delightful. We must like, literally we must be the only white people that come here. And so like, we'll call, I'll be like, hi, like I used to do it. Like I get a text from Arden. She'd be at school. She'd be like, I want to get my eyebrows started this afternoon. And somebody would answer the phone. I'd be like, hi, I'd like to come in and bring my daughter in for a threading. And the, and the voice on the phone goes, Arden. And I go, yes, for Arden. She goes, okay, we will see her then. I was like, okay, great. And then I hang up the phone. I'm like, I have to be the only Caucasian person who calls here or I'm the only man. Is that who calls. you? <laughs> you're, you're like, oh hey Scott, what's up? You're like like it, it got to the point where she got there. It's in a different town than ours, and um, a woman's threading Arden, and she goes, "Do you know this girl?" And she brings up a girl's name, and Arden goes, "Yeah, I go to high school with her." And she goes, "How how do you know I know her?" And so 
obviously what happened was they were together somewhere personally and privately oh my and, God. and they're like, Hey, there's a white girl that comes in here and gets her eyebrows threaded. And, um, her name's Arden. And the girl's like, I know her. I go to high school with her. And that actually like Arden, she's, it's just hilarious. So that is really funny. Yeah, we're right at home. Now we walk in, we're like, hello everyone. And, uh, they're like, you're here. It's like, you're like celebrities there. It's amazing. It's like cheers almost. It's very funny. <laughs> so anyway, I really appreciate Fantastic. you doing this. Is there anything we didn't talk about that we should have? Um, probably so many things, Scott, but I probably will harass you at some point in the future and I'll be like, hey, I have things that I remembered that I forgot about. <laughs> I had a wonderful time speaking with you. So vice versa. Yeah. Thank you for giving me a break from newborn life. It's amazing, but yeah. it's nice to be able to like use my brain a little bit. <laughs> I'm sure it will come back eventually or it won't. There yes. are times there are times when we look at Kelly and we're like, uh oh, I think she <laughs> she slipped over a hill. She's not able to climb back up over again for some reason. <laughs> So I'll tell you a quick story quickly, then I'll let you go. Yeah. When I had my first kid and everyone's like, mommy brain is a real thing. I remember I took him to the family, like, to his pediatrician appointment and I came back to the car and the trunk was open. The passenger side door was open, the <laughs> the front seat door. And it was all open. Like I just left it there. And I was like, oh no. <laughs> my neighbor never closes their trunk. And that's my dad. One my day dad I went over him. and I, I, I just, I couldn't take it anymore. It had been open for hours. And so I closed it. The next time I saw him, I said, Hey, I closed your trunk. And he went, why? And I went, it was open for hours. He goes, yeah, I don't mind that. I was like, Oh, sorry. And then I realized he wasn't forgetful. He just was somehow, he just didn't want to do. It. Yeah. He was just cool with his trunk being open. So I was like, all right, well, I won't do that again. I'm sorry. Anyway, it was a you, very kind thing to do though. I'm going to go take out the place where you cursed. Do you know you cursed one time? Did I really? Yeah, very small curse, but you did. I'm sorry. No, don't be sorry. I it surprised me. Not like in a bad way. Just Actually, it's funny. A lot of people say that to me when I'm like, oh, I'm like, I was swearing so much. Like I could never picture that from you. And I was like, thank you, but I don't know if I should say thank you for that. <laughs> no, I am fifty nine twenty six in. You said shit. So and now, oh. and now I have to take that out. And then where I just said it at one twenty one. So there you um, go. all right, cool. Hold on one second for me. After we got done recording, Isha told me her A1C was 6 with her first pregnancy, 5.5 with her second, and f with the help of the podcast, 4.8 with her third pregnancy. Uh, Canindian is a possibility for the podcast title, and um, no, I can't do the other one. Canindian is close, or uh, for the love of a Timbit. Well, I just thought you might enjoy hearing my notes to myself at the end of an episode. I want to thank Isha for coming on the show and sharing her terrific story with us. And I want to thank the Contour Next Gen Blood Glucose Meter. ContourNext.com forward slash juice box. Contour Next is a great meter. Contour is a great sponsor. Check them out, wouldn't you please? Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back very soon with another episode of the Juice Box Podcast.